is a prepaid collect call from an inmate at Florida Correctional Institution. This call is subject to recording and monitoring. To accept charges, press... Hey, this is Ro. And this is Joe. And we discuss the gray area. The black and white of things. Today, we are discussing our criminal justice system. Wow, what a system. What a criminal justice system it is. Another construct? Huh. Uh, I don't know. It's like a worse than a construct. It is. It's sad and... Well, let's just start off by saying the U.S. of A. imprisons more people than any other nation in the world and largely due to the war on drugs. Wow. Yeah, and we all know the war on drugs pretty much started as the war on black people. The war on black people. For all of you who have not yet seen Grass is Greener, the documentary on Netflix, it is awesome. And this is a good way to plug it because it talks about the war on drugs and how it began. Yeah, um, exactly. And I don't say that because of that documentary just alone. Like, I've no. always really... Yeah, yeah. Like, that's something people have known, but that really puts it into perspective. Especially weed and how, like, how weed became such, like, a level one drug and how they make it so bad when it's not. But really, we're not here to talk about weed. We're just here to talk about the criminal justice system and how mainly it affects how it has been affecting people of color, and I say that because most of the t statistics include black people and Latinas, Latinos. Mm -hmm. or Latino. So, um, and just another statistic, so just in case by the end of this podcast there are people out there that are saying these statistics are because they're the only ones that do this shit. <laughs> so just I want to make it clear that research shows drug use and sa drug sales are similar across racial and ethnic lines. However, black and Latino people are far more likely to be criminalized than white people for these same the behaviors. Same behaviors. Right. <sighs> so there's almost 500,000 people behind bars for drug law violation on every any given night in, in the United States. So any given night means that whether they spend a night in jail or they just are in jail, there's more than 500,000 people every day in and out of our prison system due to a drug violation, due to a criminal drug charge in the United States. And that's 10 times higher than in the 80s. And that costs taxpayers money. It does cost money. Not only that, it costs money to them. It can ruin a life. One day in jail can ruin your whole life. Literally. Literally. And I'm not saying much at this point because it's all overwhelming. Um... And this is just my 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 thing. Yeah. Like and, I and I love you do. I'm obsessed. Joe, I listen to podcasts. I watch documentaries. I read. I love this. Like I wish I could go back and if I could do it over. That's what I would well, be doing. I would you be You can't do it over, but you can start. I would, okay. I would be on the innocent project. <laughs> and you still may I try to volunteer. I say that all the time. They always they maybe, never email me back. Maybe you need to show your face. Sometimes an maybe email. I'll just have to stalk them, like sit in the parking lot. Yeah, with a sign. The old-fashioned way: pound the pavement. Right. Get Hold in the there. Pavement. Get your face in the place. Right. I have a statistic uh, that I found. It's on Stanford.edu. This statistic was written on December of 2018. I'm saying a lot. <laughs> the article is Might called CBD. <laughs> <laughs> Incarceration of African-American Men and the Impacts on Women and Children. Of course, when 
uh, men are gone out of the home, and this is any man, but this this article is specific to African Americans. But when any man is not in the home, the family suffers. Right. But the statistic says that over the past four decades, there has been 1.1 million adults uh, incarcerated in state or federal prison between 1974 and 2001. That's considered mass incarceration. The African-American population, and in particular African-American men, have been disproportionately affected by mass incarceration. 11% of black Mm -hmm. men between, well, 11% of blacks between the ages of 20 and 39 were in state or federal prison and local jails compared to 1.7% of white men, 1% of black women, and 0.2% white women in the group, in that same age group as of 2001. So that was 2001. That was 18 years ago. So I'm sure the statistic is even higher now as far as black men go. It's a sad statistic. It is. That's what made me come up with subliminal slavery because now it's not like obvious slavery. It's more subliminal what they're doing with mass incarceration and just everything that they're doing with the police brutality. It's not technically slavery and it's not technically subliminal, but that's like the only two words I could form together that makes makes it like what what is the the powers that be? What do they get out of it? Well, it keeps the black person it down keeps the black race in, in check. check. Yes. So um, one in nine black children has an incarcerated parent. One in 28 Latino children have an incarcerated parent, and one in 57 white children have an incarcerated parent. So it just goes to show you just another just another form to show and bring awareness that it's real. Like, this shit is real, and, and I don't is, know that people think it's real. Yeah, and when you, when you put it in terms of statistics, it's really tangible. You said one in nine black parents— Versus one in nine black children have a a parent in jail versus one in 57 white white. children and one in 28 Latino. And that's actually a pretty big difference considering the the amount of Latinos that are well actually are spending because the number of Latinos that are in jail is not that much lower than black people. Correct. Correct. So it's people of color are, are just are just not treated fairly in yeah, this country to this day. Systematic racism. Systematic and oppression. Yes, oppression. That, the same. Masked yeah. by law. Masked by the justice system. Yeah. Masked by a, a system that's supposed it's to be here for our protection. It is. It is. I remember you asked me about, you know, what would a good society look like to me? Right. I, I know exactly what you're saying. I said... What would white people, I think I said, what would white people, it was talk, we were talking about reparations. Did I have reparations in that sentence no, somewhere? No, but we were talking about reparations, but you just, in, you know, trying to, to sum it up, you pretty much asked me what would make me feel better as a black person living in America. Yeah, you know? pretty much. What would you have to see from the white community or just a community as a whole, like meaning the like just everything, what you see on the news, social media, in real life, by the police, by our justice system, by our governors, our mayors, our judges, DAs, my, everybody. What would you have to see to, to first, feel comfortable, to feel like, okay, I'm seeing real tangible change? My first answer was 
I would want to not have to worry about the men in my life right. being mm -hmm. killed by a police officer yeah, or right incarcerated now. for, you know, some fucking misdemeanor, you know, because really right. the marijuana thing, the, the, the war on drugs, it's all about, like you said, it's a war on black people. And, and it started off that way, at, to, to say the very least. I mean, but it still is, really. Because now, now marijuana has become legalized. And so now white people are capitalizing off of what black people are being. Yeah, what black people started to use. And being put in, in jail day, and, and incarcerated. Put in jail for. Right. Yeah. And now still to this day, yes. What is that? The, the, which president came up with the... Nixon started the war, but not, not the technical war on cannabis. There was the white Jewish guy. Yes. No, but I mean the mandatory minimum thing. The mandatory minimum sentence. It was either Nixon, Reagan enforced it, and then Clinton. Clinton. Well, Clinton added the three strikes are out. So Clinton not not he not only reassigned the mandatory minimums he added the three strikes you're out. So Democrats aren't all that great either. Just to put that into a political <laughs> yes. fucking perspective for all y'all that believe that the world is racist either. because of Republicans. Because right. Democrats ain't shit either. Because there has been plenty of Democrats in presidency that could have changed these laws. That could have said, let's get rid of the mandatory minimum yes. for minor drug offenses. Let's get rid of the three strikes you're out. There's a fucking man in federal penitentiary now serving life in prison over selling some fucking crack cocaine and pedophiles are walking free. There's more people sitting in jail for drugs doing harsher sentences for drugs than they're doing for violent crimes. Violent crimes. Crimes against children. Crimes against women. That's sick and twisted. So it's a fucking mess. Makes me mad. <laughs> uh, good gracious. We need a so resolution. Mad. There's my song, Aaliyah. Right. May she mm. rest in peace. So as of January 2019, there have been 365 post-conviction exonerations due to DNA testing. So DNA testing is coming a long way. And this is, these are just, this isn't even part of the mass incarceration due to drugs. Let's just get into the cross-racial misidentification when it comes to white people misidentifying black people or vice versa, but it's it's more common when it comes to a of majority course. group being an eyewitness to a minority group. And this is science, this is empirical science, empirical science has proved this from back in the 50s, science studies, research that has been done from then until now. Yes. But so as of um, January 2019, 365, the average sentence was 14 years, 70% 70, 70 of the exonerated are part of minority groups, and Yay. 20 of those were on death row. And most of them were in jail for either, were either sentenced and proven guilty either from coerced confessions or cross-racial misidentifications. So, I mean, it's just bad. Oh, man, it's heavy. Central Park Five. That's a famous case. They did. They were 14 to 16 years old. They were coerced into yes. confessing for the murder, for the rape. And, and I just saw re recently where when that was going on, Donald Trump took out an ad or something. He 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 done something Well, the man confessed who did it. And Mateus Reyes confessed in 2002. They have been since exonerated. I think they did like 12 years. Yeah, but still, when it was all going down, Donald Trump took out a, an ad to have these 
babies convicted. Like he he really was. Oh, you mean back before he was president? Yes. Oh, when wow. this happened, right? Mm-hmm. Because everybody, well, everybody, sadly, that's what that's why. Like I I listen to a podcast, Wrongful Conviction. He he always stresses to everybody who's listening: if you're going to be a juror, keep the fact in mind that miss that cross racial witnesses always misidentify nine times out of ten misidentify well judges and the defense attorneys are not allowed to tell the juries this they're not allowed to warn the juries of these of this science so juries you're a juror you go in not knowing when you see a white witness testifying that this black man by oh yeah i'm 100 sure that was the guy that shot my daughter or that was the guy that raped me jurors don't know that the science behind this misidentification this cross racial mm-hmm. statistic mm-hmm. and research and studies they don't know it and the defense are not allowed to warn them well they know now and judges don't Thanks let them Joe. but why doesn't our system let them know because it's all it's a system set up for failure it's a system set up to keep the oppressed oppressed it's ignored because it affects minorities only. There you go. Oppression. That's why it's ignored. Yeah, that's, it's race. Well, I don't why I always ask questions I already know the answer to. I do that a lot. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so um, I did want to also say mention the Angola 3. That's the longest so, um, solitary confinement case in U.S. history in Louisiana. Albert Woodfox, Robert King, Herman Wallace. I think it was Herman Wallace who might have seen two days free. And then there's... Khalif Browder, who was 16 at the time, Rikers Island, was all about a backpack. Again, what you said, um, misidentified. Um, yep. Anyway, he got out of prison. There's a documentary. He sat in prison. This isn't even about wrongful conviction. He sat in prison so long just because until he could get trial. And bond. It was a bond issue. And Right. Yeah. There was a man who, who recently sat in jail for 10 years before he went to trial. Now, he was found guilty. The case about him is tricky. But it's still in our, what is it, um, the constitutional right of a speedy and... A speedy trial. Yes. And mm-hmm. that's not happening. Of course so not. So every aspect of the judicial system is just not working in, in anybody's favor. You also had a statistic about the number of people imprisoned and how it can impact or swing an election. What was that? You- so the amount of people in prison and the amount of people that are not allowed to vote, because as you know, if you are conv- even if you're not a convicted felon, if you have certain drug charges... You can't vote, but of course you're a convicted felon, you can't vote, and if you're in jail, you can't vote. So, but the amount of people, but needless to say, the amount of people in jail today is the amount is enough people that could swing in an entire presidential election. Wow. And that's a lot of people. That is a lot of people. Right. And I think, um, what did I say, 60%, 80%? 80% of... Um, Nearly 80% of people in federal prison and almost 60% of people in state prison for drug offenses are black or Latino. So the majority of people in prison are people of color. Of course. Right. Mm. So it's bad. It's really bad. I mean, I have a list of 22 people right now that um, just won wrongful conviction, imprisonment, and civil rights lawsuits. Andre Davis spent over 31 years in prison for a rape and murder. He did not commit. Years. 31 years that he did not commit. DNA proved it. Christine Bunch. She was wrongfully convicted in Indiana for arson and murder. And I remember this on ID Discovery. And it did not. It, at the point of the story, you would have thought she did it. That story made her look 
clearly guilty. And and she was later found innocent. Wow. Um, she's a white woman. James Hill. <laughs> okay. Who's, I'm just saying, I didn't want <laughs> I know, everybody to think it. all these people are black. Right. Most of them are, though. Out of the 22, I think there's two white people. James Hill, he served over 17 years in Indiana for rape um, after police concealed evidence. According to another suspect, the police, DNA. man, they are the they police and the DA. So thuggish. They, they want to win. Mobsters or not? They're, they're disgusting. Well, it goes to the DAs want to convict because they want to win the election. I want to know why DAs are voted in and not hired because if they were doing a job and they want to do it well, they would probably not try to always win and do all these dirty, grimy things to, to win, win because it's more of a political thing. But then I don't know how that works. I don't know the whole politics behind DAs and why they are voted and not hired. Who would hire them? Aren't judges voted in as well? Right. So we don't know who would hire them. Jonathan Barr, Terrell Swift, Nicole Harris. And on and on. Was convicted of murder of her four-year-old son based on a false confession obtained by Chicago police. That's another thing. Jailhouse snitches. I mean, they're putting jailhouse snitches up in five-star hotels that the average person couldn't even stay in feeding them good, doing all this shit, doing all these bribes, getting these jailhouse snitches to to testify against innocent people. But they do all these things for them so that they do it. So that they do it. Right. Snitches get stitches. Right. And that's, uh, I don't know if anything is a good segue to talk about the uh, school-to-prison pipeline. Um which is just another way to uh, get people of color into the system. Even though they refer to it as people from disadvantaged backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Although I do say, you know, a lot of the white people, I would say the white people that are falsely accused or in jail that fall into these traps, they're probably of lower income, income brackets. Lower socioeconomic, yeah. yeah. But anyway, the... Um, The ACLU is committed to challenging school-to-prison pipeline, which is a disturbing national trend wherein children are funneled out of public schools and into the juvenile and criminal justice system. Many of these children have learning disabilities or histories of poverty, abuse, or neglect and would benefit from additional educational and counseling services. Instead, they are isolated, punished, and pushed out. Zero-tolerance policies criminalize minor infractions of school rules while cops and school lead to students being criminalized for behavior that should be handled inside the school. Students of color are especially vulnerable to push-out trends and the discriminatory, the discriminatory application of discipline. So pretty much if you get in trouble in school, that's going to get you into the system. And once you get into the system... It make, they make it difficult for you to get out because there are fines that you have to pay. Right. You, you know, who's going to pay Restitution. You can't find a job because no one's going to hire, you know, right. a convict. It's like a no-win situation. It's a vicious cycle. It's a snowball effect. Yes. It's really, and it's really, really bad. Which And these neighborhoods are over-policed. That's another thing that causes mass incarceration. It's just over-policing of neighborhoods that don't... The urban neighborhoods. Like, they need, like, yeah, we, they need police nearby, but they're over-policed. It's like, it, it's just really bad. I mean, and then we, let's get into the police brutality and police killings. Let's just talk about how there were, in 2018, there were only 20, there were only... 23 days 
out of the whole entire year that the police did not kill someone. They have a license to kill. And they and and you know what I'd like to know? I mean, just from the black hand side, how many of those people that died were black and how many of the police officers got off scot free? You know, probably a lot of them. Yes. Um, I did just read an article of a police officer getting charged with like first degree murder, but he killed a white woman. Hmm. And he got charged for that. And he wasn't a white cop. Ah, oh, I saw that. I did see that. But let's go back to the statistic. In 2017, police killed 1,147 people. 25% of them were black. That's 287 people. 287 out of 1,147 people that were killed were black. I don't believe that's just this. I'm sorry. Right, and I don't. I, I didn't I check the source on that. Higher. I think it has to be higher. And it you're, very well could be. One in sixty-five deaths of young black men are literal are caused by police. One in sixty-five deaths of young black men. In the and United for all States of you white people by. out there, and you got to remember the population of it's thirteen percent. Right. The percentage of black people in America is literally 13%. So this, these numbers may not sound big. But when you put it in that when perspective. You, if you think about the population is only 13% black people, that, that, takes, that, t- that drops black men in that population to a very small percentage. Mm-hmm. And then take into consideration that one in 65 deaths of young black men is caused by police. I mean, that's not, that's like, in, that's an insane amount. Of black men that are taken away from their women and children. And then, again, going back to the snowball effect, if they're not dead, they're in the system. And then the system makes it difficult for them to provide. You know, you get out of jail, you get on probation, you've which, got a which record. Which affects you, their pride. Yes. And, and then when family. a man can't provide, and then it fucks with their pride and their ego, then, you know, then they tend to, their behavior becomes like, it's just a whole nother vicious cycle. cycle. And no one seems to understand that because then, you know, the average black, white person will say, oh, but they're, they're vicious animals and the black on black crime and blah, but you have to understand what makes a person do what they do when you, you know, it's like backing a tiger up against a wall. At some point, a bear, a snake, you cannot keep a wild animal or an animal in general caged in and not at some point know that they're going to retaliate, at, you know. And jail, I believe, jail, there's two things that it's going to happen to a man in jail. And they're, jail will either make them, they will take that time in jail to improve themselves. Or they're going to sit in jail and it's going to fuck with their mental and they're going to be fucked up. Yeah, so I've seen it happen. Well, if you listen to that wrongful conviction podcast and you listen to some of these men, the intelligence and like the how they articulate their words and talk about their story, you would never even dream they spent 30 years in prison. That you know, you would have never thought they went to jail at like 17 and we're, we're in there and now they're 35 years old. And the way they're telling their story, you would never, ever think it. So they 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 were innocent. So I think that's how they got free and they stood tall and they, you know, they overcame all that because they sat in there and they focused. But it's not easy. It's not easy. It can't possibly Shit, be it's easy. not easy to focus in the free world. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. It, I just can't imagine. So sometimes when I'm feeling like I have a bad day and I listen to them podcasts, I'm like, bitch, you are just a spoiled ass crybaby. 
What the hell are you crying for? I don't know, but is this going to take us to our, my big picture thought? That's a good segue. Take but... it to the big picture thought. <laughs> so my big picture thought kind of hinges on what you just said. So my best friend said to me that her life is a mess. And at that very moment, I had a thought that there are ways to look at a mess. There are ways we deal with a mess right. in life, your proverbial mess. And what I sent to her was I said, and then I tweeted this because I thought, oh my God, that came out of my brain. <laughs> <You're> so smart. <laughs> so smart. So here's my take on a mess. This okay. is what I said to her. You can tidy up a mess. There are those, you know, tidying up, meaning you kind of straighten it up and you get it out of the way. And to all my Lancaster folk, you can red it up. Yeah, but you still see the mess. So there's a tidy up the mess and there's a clean up the mess. Mm -hmm. When you clean up the mess, you get that shit out of your way. You throw it away. You right. throw the mess away. You don't see it. And generally, when there's free space, you replace it with something that you truly desire. Whether it be a raggedy ass futon, you throw out the futon and you get a new Right. Pretty futon. And that right. could turn into a mess at some point. Or you get rid of the futon until you get what you want. Yes. That way you don't keep on focusing on the ugly shit in your living yes. room. Yes. And you, you get rid it. of it. It's not there, but you want something there. So you'll focus on what you want there and what you think about and you focus on is what you bring about bring and you it. get. I love that you always right. bring it back to that. So that's my big picture thought is how do you handle your mess? Do you tidy it up or do you clean it up? I guess you the, clean that shit up. Well, it, the choice like, is yours. The, the choice, choice is, is yours. Yeah, like you can, you can have whatever kind of day you want. Yes, the yeah. choice is yours. And I have another quote from a friend that I just met in Alabama. I just want to shout out to Natalie, Nicole, and Rachel. I had a great time, y'all. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for the hospitality. <laughs> and um, I met a girl when we were at the club or the bar or wherever we were, the club. Seemed like a club. I think it was the clubhouse. <laughs> anyway, so she was like, you can't fix people's energy. She said, well, so when you wake up and people don't match your energy or that's energy that you don't want, you just say, fuck them. And there it is. That bitch don't have the energy you want her to have around you. Just be like, fuck them. Fuck I, her. Fuck him. Fuck, fuck that. that energy. <laughs> fuck them. All right. What's yeah. her name? D. Go K D. D. I D. like D. Deborah. Yeah. I'm sorry, but I love you. Yeah, that was awesome. Chardonnay, girl. Chardonnay. <laughs> Sip that Chardonnay. <laughs> She'll know what I'm saying. Oh, my gosh. But yeah. 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 People need to understand that truly it's up to you whether or not. You tidy how, up or clean up. Yes. How do you handle your mess? That's a good pic big picture thought. Yeah. I got it. Yeah. I like cleaning. I right. don't like shit to be tidy. I like it clean. Bleach. You know, vacuum, right. throw some shit away, get that yeah, shit out of get my... Get it out. You got to take out the trash or your apartment going to stink. Your house Boom. is going to stink. You got it, yeah. You got it. Yes. We just got to get rid of these stinky police oh. and the stinky judges and the stinky DAs. Oh, well. But that's a whole nother story that's beyond our control, so... But is it? Because it starts with one person, so they say. Change. Well, I guess I would have to start to vote. Yes, Joe, you have to start by voting. God damn. <laughs> oh my so goodness. Are we wrapping? We are wrapping. We I think we made our point. Yes. And I think we got there. We don't we never want to get too too crazy on them, but but we do want to kick facts and we want people to think. And that what you posted 
Oh my God. Something about, uh, be, be teachable. I love that post. Right. Be, uh, keep your mind open, be teachable. Yes. You don't necessary. know everything. Yeah. You don't know everything. Right. We don't know everything. Sometimes I think I do. I but mean, then but most shit, of the time someone do. like shoots me down. I'm like, look, <laughs> <laughs> it's I'm like, fuck be, you. It's good to be shot down. <laughs> I know. It shot down. So place. I'm like, okay, shit, okay. Bitch, nobody knows everything. Right. And what I've learned is that what I thought I know or what I thought I knew it turns out that I didn't fucking know what I thought I as knew. As soon as you think you know, you don't know shit. That's all. what I'm coming to learn. As yeah. soon as I think I know shit, I don't know jack shit. Remain open and remain teachable, teachable. people. Yes, On that note, Rowan Joe Show. Next time, deuces. <laughs>